educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. I just broke my microphone. <laughs> How about that, Johnny? Uh, but it's still working. That's the only thing. I just have to hold it. So anyway, uh, if if only we had video, you could see my surprise when I moved the microphone. Anyway, welcome aboard to the Tuesday edition, November 28th. It's 5.09. Educate, inform, entertain. Let's, let's do all of that, shall we? Uh, you know, we don't do a lot of shouting, not a lot of grandstanding. We like to build up instead of tear down. And uh, truth over tribalism, principles over partisanship. That's uh, come some of the themes. Anyway, and we're delighted that you chose to uh, take us along for your ride home or whatever you're doing on this lovely uh, late November afternoon. But uh, say hello to Mr. Johnny Cadillac, producer extraordinaire. I tell you what, Dan, I am exhausted today, but it's good to be here and I'm ready for another good show. Keep talking, Johnny. I'm fixing my mic. <laughs> We're having some studio technical difficulties, but uh, I should probably turn your mic off while I'm doing while you're fixing that. Less rebuttal sound, but uh, Dan does have a jam-packed show today, and probably not the best time to have a bad microphone. You okay. good now, Dan? I well, I'm not going to touch it anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's rotating around. <laughs> okay, if only we had video to see that uh, shenanigans. Well, anyway, Johnny, glad you're here uh, to keep us on the straight and narrow. And uh, let me tell you uh, uh, what's coming up in the second half of the show. Uh, our University of Nebraska uh, College of Law Dean, Mr. Richard Moberly, will join us in the second half of the show, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but right now, uh, it's our monthly check-in with Krista Yoakum, Chair of your Lancaster County Board of Commissioners. Krista, good to see you in studio. Yeah, good afternoon. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, how was your Thanksgiving at the Yoakum household? We had a great Thanksgiving. <clears throat> All of our kids got by at least at some point during the day. That's but, nice. Yeah. yeah, good for you Still guys. eating the leftovers. How about you? Uh, you know, so I, <clears throat> you know, I feed one person. So, uh, but I, I, uh, I got to go to Texas to see my family in Austin and San Antonio. So, yeah, had a great time, and uh, weather was nice, and yeah, lots of food and drink yeah. and family, and yeah, it was great. It was, yeah. I, if if any of our <clears throat> listeners heard me yesterday, yeah, I was a little slow on the. On the upkeep, uh, on the uptick yesterday, uh, coming out from that. But uh, yeah, here we are, ready for the holiday season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Commissioner, thank you as always for uh, your time. I know it's valuable. I appreciate uh, checking in once a month. But you brought a guest along today, so I'm going to be quiet and let you introduce uh, your special guest. Yeah, I did bring a guest. Thank you for that opportunity. You know, I've I've been on before, and I've talked about our concern for the capacity of the jail, and as individually i'm always concerned about the separation of families and people you know the things that people suffer from that time that they are away and in, in, in jail um you know the where they might lose their job during that time period and those sorts of things and those repercussions on the bigger society but as a commissioner really you know we have a big concern about the capacity of our jail and and i know we we talked about this before that yeah. we recently approved a contract to move um some women specifically to washington county because we did 
didn't have the capacity to hold them in a decent way in our jail. Um, and that's not an ideal situation for anyone. It, no. it, it, they're further from their attorneys. They're further from their family. Um, it's just not a good situation for any of us. And so we're constantly looking for how, what can we do better? Absolutely. And how can we have better outcomes so that people don't return to jail or get back into the same sort of situation? And so I brought uh, Brad Johnson with us today, and he's our director of our uh, Lancaster County Corrections Department. And Brad has certainly been instrumental in how we're looking at this looking forward and where we're at for solutions. And we were recently um, awarded a stepping up grant, and I wanted Brad to talk a little bit about that and about how that will affect potentially or hopefully affect our jail population. But it really brings together a lot of community partners um, to look at the whole process for someone, um, you know, at what that at what points could we have a different action sure. um, to to come up with a different outcome? And so, yeah, Brad, I'd love for you, you know, have more much more intimate knowledge of this than I do. And I'd love for you to explain a little bit about what we expect from this initiative. Sure. So good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I think first, I think kind of give a little bit of a... Uh, history or a scenario of kind of where we're at right now. Uh, You know, this morning we had approximately 632 folks in our uh, facility. Uh, We were housing approximately another 38 uh, in other areas, either at the regional center or up in Washington County. So, you know, we we house a, a large number of individuals on a daily basis uh, within our facility. And each, each of those individuals, when they first come through, we do a uh, brief mental health survey to kind of get a feel for, you know, where they are on the mental health, uh, I don't know, uh, scale. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that, you know, approximately, it, it varies a little, but it's safe to say around 60% of them uh, are identified as folks who may potentially have some type of me- mental Ill- illness. So mm-hmm. uh, this initiative is really, uh, it, it's exciting for us because it's uh, something that really targets or focuses on that population to try and uh, I- identify uh, various solutions uh, or strategies to try and, uh, you know, either divert them out, preferably divert them out before they even come into our custody, or, uh, you know, secondly, to find uh, resources and uh, uh, support for them when they do get released from our uh, custody and facility so that they're more successful and, you know, we can work on trying to reduce that recidivism rate. That's great. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brad. No. So, so the stepping up initiative is, you know, as a, as of right now, then we were in the infancy phases of, of this. And, you know, the, the big focus right now was essentially between region five and Lancaster County. We, are going to you know, team up and hire a coordinator uh, who will actually, you know, work with under Region 5, but their responsibility is going to be to coordinate with all the stakeholders within our justice system 
to uh, look at best practices. This is a very data-driven process and, and, you know, explore what other jurisdictions have done and try and uh, discover or uh, uh, follow other people's leads in ways to reduce the number of folks who are uh, in our jail due to some type of mental health illness. That's great, Brad. We're talking with Brad Johnson, director of of uh, the Department of Corrections for Lancaster County, and Krista Yoakum, chair of the Lancaster County Board of Commissioners. And Brad, just for a little background, we've got a break coming up here in just uh, about 30 seconds, but uh, just for background, you've been on the job for, well, you've been in corrections. I read your uh, resume. You've been in corrections most of your uh, career, as I, as I saw, but about seven, eight years you've been director. Is that right? I've been, yeah, I've been the director since uh, May of 2016. Very good. Very good. Well, Brad, if you can hang on, and Krista as well, we're going to take this little break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Come on back. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back to the Tuesday edition. We're delighted that you chose to uh, tune us in, whatever you're doing on this lovely fall afternoon. We're visiting, as we always do, once a month with Krista Yoakum, chair of your Lancaster County Board of Commissioners, and Mr. Brad Johnson, who's the director of Lancaster County Department of Corrections. Brad, uh, welcome back. Uh, you know, Brad, I, I did a little research, did a little Google this afternoon, and when you took over uh, back in 16, there was an article in the Journal Star and former commissioner uh, Deb Shore uh, praised your presentation back then, uh, and 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 made the comment that uh, uh, commissioner commissioner Shore did in the in the Journal Star story uh, that uh, that you were going to be using uh, technology and an inclusive communication style, and so and I was just chatting with Krista on the break here uh, off air and she said uh, she also complimented you in the years that you've uh, been director that you've done exactly that you've used technology and your communication style is uh, is very inclusive so anyway just wanted to point that out well thank thank you very much yeah yeah Krista jump in well yeah well, I was just going to say it one of the other things that is really an example of kind of the culture at, at the jail is we do uh, commissioners award of excellence on a monthly basis to staff that go above and beyond and very very frequently it is someone from the from the corrections center there and it's oftentimes peers nominating their own peers for that which explain which talks a lot to the culture if you've got staff that is recognizing other people that are doing a good job and wanting to recognize them that's a that's a pretty good culture to be working in absolutely uh, for a job that's a hard job <laughs> oh my goodness yeah brad i can't imagine yeah. uh you we obviously have the right person in this position and uh uh yeah that's uh yeah we need people that are compassionate and and trying to help people that uh uh, that are in incarcerated and uh, yeah and moving them on hopefully to a better life and and productive uh, members of our uh, culture so uh, well so. i wanted to go back to the stepping up program a second because this is just one component of several things that we're working on right now um, especially for those people who are suffering from mental health and then end up 
in a situation where they they might be heading towards jail. And one of those is um, an adult uh, mental health respite program that we've selected a provider for that. And and they're they've got a building. I think that they're closing on. If they hadn't didn't close on it, um, I think it's at the end of the month. And so there'll be some remodeling some work that'll need to be done there but i think we'll be coming out with that pretty soon um in a bigger way so that the community knows about that and that could be where someone who had an encounter with law enforcement or you know was in a bad situation in their family home but not necessarily a direct danger to themselves or to the community but they need a place to go and it's not jail then that would be an opportunity for them to go and then then the follow-up that will happen as far as what other services do they need and that sort of thing to be plugged into that's great krista and brad i assume that that program will help uh alleviate some of the overcrowding that's that certainly is the hope i mean you know these are these are complicated cases with folks who you know, are uh, disenfranchised in a lot of ways from fam- family and other support systems. So uh, there, there isn't one silver bullet to this to this problem. But uh, I mean, a reoccurring theme with them is, uh, you know, they, they they just can't meet their basic needs in a, in a lot of cases. So uh, any way that we can uh, uh, try and improve that. Uh, spectrum within their lives is is, uh, uh, certainly a a strong step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. We're visiting with Brad Johnson, uh, Director of the Lancaster County Department of Corrections, and Krista Yoakum, Chair of the Lancaster County Board of Commissioners. Uh, Brad, I'm curious, uh, and I know this is a question I assume you get all the time, and and a lot of this is obviously out of your control, but what are some of the long-term solutions for for the overcrowding problem? In addition to some of the steps uh, that you you've been talking about, uh, what does that look like long term? Well, I think there needs to be a look at you know I working closely with community corrections. I, I know they're working on some pretrial uh, in, initiatives through uh, the Advancing Pretrial Policy and Research Group to try and. Uh, look at ways of uh, either, again, diverting folks before they come into custody or getting them released very quick, quickly with the appropriate supervision and support. Uh, you know, we're right now we're, we're real close in selecting uh, a group of folks to come in and do a system-wide analysis of our justice system. Because, uh, right, I mean, honestly, you know, in, in some some regards, we don't know what we don't know at this point. So some sometimes it's helpful to have somebody from the outside come in and take a look at the entire system and and look for uh, areas for improvement or doing things better with uh, you know your eye on reducing recidivism or diverting folks before they come come into jail. Uh, yeah, that's that. That all makes sense, Krista. I know that you. We talked last time about the new legislative session coming up here in January, and you've you, you the the board has some initiatives and plans. Anything related to uh, the, the county jail? Yeah, actually, we do. And and Brad, are you, you know? I know you've been working with Commissioner Vest on the, some of that. Are you familiar with that legislation? Take me a second to pull my phone. Pull it up exactly. Uh. I'm drawing a blank right now, too. I'm sorry. We didn't prep you. (laughs) I didn't prep Krista either. (laughs) 
it crossed my mind. I should have brought that's my okay. legislative that's okay. priorities that's with That's okay. But uh, anyway, we can follow up on that. But anyway, that's on your mind. That's on the commissioner's minds to work with the legislature to, mm-hmm. to address this problem. And it's, it's not just in Lancaster County, obviously. It is not just a Lancaster County problem. It is for us right yes. now in yes. the role that Brad's in and the role that I'm in. It certainly is. But it is a bigger problem than that. And, and you know, the other piece is we, we talk about the, the, our jail being at capacity here. But the reality is the projections for the jail being at, at capacity really were a couple of years ago. And we've surpassed that. Um, so we did hold that at bay. And our population is growing. So those are two things to consider. On the other hand, we still have, in my opinion, too many people in jail. And certainly those folks, as Brad referred to, who have mental health issues, that that is not the environment where they're going to get better. Um, We want to look for those solutions. You know, mental health has been talked about. I just I watched uh, some of the footage or some of the coverage today of of Rosalind Carter's uh, uh, funeral, and, and speaker after speaker talked about her uh, initiatives way back in the seventies to talk about mental health and to remove some of the stigmas of that. And here we are today, all these decades later, continuing to talk about that issue. I thought that very same thing as when she passed away, and I started seeing quotes come out. The very same thing. We're still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brad, it's a big job, uh, and we appreciate your leadership and your your thoughtful approach to it. And uh, so thank you for your work. Uh, any any uh, closing thoughts as we uh, wrap up here? No, I, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I view this department in the jail. It's a, it's a community re- resource, and uh, we we need to use it in the most uh, effective, safe, and cost-efficient way as we can. So that that's kind of how how I view uh, my my role. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for your perspective, always, Brad. I always yeah. appreciate it. Sure. Brad, you always have a, a an open mic here anytime you like, and so we appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. Well, thank thanks for uh, have, having me and. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brad Johnson, director of the Lancaster County Department of Corrections. Uh, Krista, as we wrap up, uh, what do you got going on for the rest of the month? Oh, well, I thought you were going to ask me what I've got going on for the rest of the evening. Let's look big there's, picture. Either there's, one. There's you can always answer a any, lot. Either well, I'm, I'm, I'm heading from here to the school board meeting. Yes, 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 um, yes. There's a committee, the, the Lincoln and Lancaster County wrote a strategic welcoming and belonging plan um, uh, uh, close to a year ago, I guess. And the education committee from that would like to talk to the school board tonight. So I'm going to meet with some of them. Very good. Krista Yoakum, chair of your Lancaster County Board of Commissioners. Thank you very much. Folks, that's the first half. Enjoy the news. We'll be back after this on 1499. K-L-I-N. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back. 
to the Tuesday edition. I have not broken my mic a second time, so that's the good news for for me anyway. Um, educate, inform, entertain. That's what we try to do uh, every darn day of the week, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, so, yes, uh, my thanks to Krista Yoakum, Chair of Lancaster County Board of Commissioners, for our monthly chat. And I really enjoyed uh, talking and meeting Brad Johnson, uh, Director of the Lancaster County uh, Department of Corrections. You talk about a tough job. Man, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's at the top of the list of tough jobs. Uh, and before I introduce uh, my guest in the second half of the show, let me just tell you what's coming up on tomorrow's show. As you know, every Monday we have Nebraska's very first uh, nonprofit uh, newsroom, uh, Flatwater Free Press. And so we're going to add uh, on Wednesdays uh, the other nonprofit newsroom here in Nebraska. Uh, and we've had them on from time to time, Nebraska Examiner. So coming up on tomorrow's show, Paul Hamill, a longtime reporter here in the state, uh, and Zach Windling. Uh, a younger reporter. We're going to cover the generations. And uh, so anyway, we're going to have uh, reporters from Nebraska Examiner on on a regular basis because with the legislature coming up and election year coming up next year, uh, there's I just feel that there's just a lot of news that I would like to cover that I think you're... Uh, our listeners would be interested in. So anyway, tune in for that tomorrow. Nebraska Examiner's Paul Hamill and Zach Windling. Well, it's my delight to welcome back into the studio Mr. Richard Moberly, Dean of the University of Nebraska College of Law. Hey, Dan. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah. yeah. How was your holiday? Uh, it was good. I escaped to the uh, the warm temperatures of South Texas. Oh. So I got family in Austin and San Antonio, so I spent a couple days in Austin. Uh, and it's so great. I tell people this all the time, and I'll, I'll preface this by reminding people that, yes, uh, the Lincoln Airport is a client of mine and my day job, but it's so great to fly out of Lincoln. I can be on that flight, that 6.30 flight to Houston and a little puddle jumper over to Austin, and I can be eating tacos and drinking beer by noon. 100% agree. That's great. <laughs> it's right there. I can leave my house at 5.15 and make a 6 a.m. flight. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. So anyway, that's that's what I did. How about you? We stayed here. Uh, both my boys came back from college, so we got to see them again, which was great. And uh, spent uh, Friday watching a lot of Husker sports and ended up disappointed at the end. <laughs> um, but they fought hard, and I appreciate what all those teams are doing. Yeah, yeah. So any uh, future lawyers in the, in the family? Yet to be seen. Okay. Yet to be seen. Yeah. Uh, my wife teaches at the College of Business, so we're having a battle over their souls and whether they go into business or... <laughs> Uh, in law, and I think I'm probably going to lose. But they can do both. <laughs> they could do both. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. they could. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Well, uh, I do appreciate your time. I know you're busy, and and uh, and I do. Before we leave here, I want to uh, ask you about what's going on at the college. But let's jump into the Trump trials. Uh, it, there's something to be updated on constantly, and and as you know, the disclaimer I always say this. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with presidential politics. This is unprecedented in our lifetime, uh, it, in, in anybody's lifetime, of, uh, of a former president that is facing uh, over 90 federal indictments. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to get you into the studio and talk a little bit about uh, some of the stories that I've been following and I think our listeners have been following uh, with former President Trump. Uh, I read this Politico story, uh, Richard, about how one judge is slowing down one of Trump's biggest criminal cases, uh, the May 2024 trial in Trump's classified documents case, 
uh, appears headed for a political precarious postponement, according to the story in Politico. And Judge Eileen Cannon, uh, according to this story, seems to be in no hurry. Uh, and so I just wanted to get your perspective on that and what does it mean to have a speedy trial and and the judge really has all of that power in her hands. There's a lot of discretion for judges to set the, the speed for when trials will occur, how fast discovery will happen, how quickly to respond to motions. You know, usually when we think of this, the right to a speedy trial in America, it's often a defendant's right. Uh, you don't want a defendant sitting in jail while the government takes its time sure. to prosecute the defendant. Um, but of course, when they're out on bail or bond and uh, and they're they're waiting on a trial, sometimes the defendant is more than happy to have the trial delayed. Um, anytime you file a motion, the clock for a speedy trial gets uh, uh, paused. Um, and in this case, you know, it's it's hard to say whether a, a a judge is intentionally trying to slow it down. Um, that would be uh, a difficult thing to prove. There's so much discretion, and uh, in that case in particular, you know, that's the confidential or the classified documents case. They're really complicated issues about how to manage classified documents. How they have to build a whole separate facility to allow Trump's, uh, Trump's yeah. lawyers mm -hmm. to review the documents. Um, that if they want to use those documents in trial, there are all sorts of procedures that they have to abide by that will slow things down. Um, and they may have to even make a choice, they being the prosecutors, on whether to use the classified if they can't uh, get those procedures adhered to, they may have to have a choice of whether they dismiss the case related to those documents if they don't want to make them public. And apparently some of these are pretty secretive. So they, they, have a, they may not want to make those public. Uh, according to this political story, uh, Judge Cannon, uh, who is a Trump-appointed federal district judge in Florida, uh, is officially sticking with the May 20th trial date that she announced uh, months ago. Uh, and she even recently denied Trump's bid to push it back because he wanted to push it back till after the election, I think, which uh, uh, she said that's even uh, a little bit too far for even her. Uh, but in a series of more technical rulings, the judge has postponed some key pretrial deadlines. Um, and so, again, that discretion that the, that the judge has. But like you said, yes, I mean, this is... Uh, obviously a complicated case when you get into national security. Yeah, and it's hard at this stage to read too much into that. I mean, she has set the trial date. Uh, these are complicated issues. Um, as far as we know, she hasn't dealt with a classified documents case before. Uh, so she's a relatively new judge and I'm sure wants to get it right. Yeah. Uh, right? She's uh, being watched. Um, that said, in comparison to the case in D.C., that one seems to be moving a little bit more quickly. Um, the responses to motions and the orders coming out are happening a little bit more quickly. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of discretion for judges, and they're, they're trying to balance a lot of different needs. So uh, at this stage, if she, as long as that, that May 20th date is still out there, it's hard to say that there's too much intentionality with it. Right. Right, and we'll just right. see what happens and how fast they they uh, are able to pursue it. In the D.C. case, um, it, in some ways, that seems maybe even more complicated. I mean, you've got anyway. It. it uh, I think the D.C. case is more complicated mm -hmm. from a kind of a factual perspective, um, but the procedural 
posture of the of the classified documents makes it a little bit more difficult at this stage. But there's certainly on the D.C. side proving an insurrection, proving uh, the intentionality of everything that right. happened. That's incredibly complicated. Right. Well, and and we've talked about this before. And again, we don't we don't get into political commentary when I have Richard on the show. We'll leave that to other people. But uh, it it just seems. Uh, I don't even know what adjective to, to use, but just unthinkable that we can have someone running for president who's under, like I said, 91 different federal indictments, criminal indictments, uh, that the voters may not have the opportunity to know the outcome of those trials before they're casting votes. Because if this trial doesn't start till May, um, people are casting votes. Way before May, that that's Nebra- think, that's Nebraska primary. I time. think you better get comfortable with that idea yeah. that people will be casting votes before these trials are decided. Yeah. I think it's highly unlikely that they'll be decided before mm-hmm. um, most of the country is casting votes in the primaries, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny and I still got a banana bet that uh, uh, President, former President Trump, will be the nominee. Although, you know, hey, there's anyway. We're not going to get into. Okay, you still have your donut if you win that bet, but it's a banana <laughs> if I win. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um, but yes, uh, so yes, keeping track of all of this is, uh, is you know, and, uh, is a Herculean uh, chance to, uh, to learn about the, the, the policies and uh, the procedures of criminal uh, trials. And so that's why I so appreciate uh, having Dean Moberly on to talk about that. Um, so the January 6th election interference case, uh, Judge Tanya Chutkin, um, and there's been some new developments in that case as well. Right, right? well just recently, uh, former President Trump's lawyers filed a motion for discovery, and it was broad-ranging. Uh, they are asking for documents related to Hunter Biden, um, <laughs> and they are asking for documents related to voter fraud. Uh, and they want to, I think, through this case, perhaps prove out that uh, President Trump's claim that there was massive voter fraud and that that would justify his actions in his mind um, to try and prevent that during the election. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the response from the prosecutor is on, on those motions. Okay. Well, let's continue this conversation after this short break. Uh, come on back. Uh, Dean Richard Moberly is with us. Uh, so come back and join us after these quick messages. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back to Tuesday edition of the show. We're delighted that you stuck around. Uh, Mr. Richard Moberly, Dean of the University of Nebraska College of Law, is with us. And let me tell you what's coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, Nebraska Examiner, Nebraska's... uh, uh, non-profit newsroom in addition to the Flatwater Free Press that we feature every Monday. Uh, so we'll talk with um, long time, you know, since Don Walton retired from the Journal Star, uh, and I teased Paul Hamill, who will be my guest tomorrow, uh, about this. Uh, you know, Don Walton was the dean of political uh, reporters in the state, uh, retired last year or earlier this year. And so I think that mantle goes to Paul Hamill now. He's been around for a long time. And so a great, 
reporter, and so Paul's doing work with uh, uh, and helped start Nebraska Examiner. Uh, so Paul will be with us tomorrow uh, along with Zach Windling. So, uh, and don't forget uh, to follow the Dan Parsons Show on Facebook and X, formerly known as Twitter, because uh, you'll get a preview of what's coming up on the next day's show. And, you know, hey, you know, I don't have a lot going on in the evenings. And so oftentimes I find myself tweeting. How long do we have to say formerly known as Twitter? I don't what's know, the, what's Richard. What's the half-life on that? I, like, it's, I feel like it's been months. Do we I know just it. be able to say X? X, okay. Yeah, yeah. Huh? But I, yeah that's, I still read it all the time. I, I know it. it all the time. Well, and, and anyway, yes, that's, it, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's confusing to me as well. Um, but we're with Richard Moberly, Dean of the University of Nebraska College of Law, and we're talking about the Trump trials uh, and the latest of that. And so, Richard, what's, uh, what else have you found on your notes uh, to talk about? I'm fascinated by this argument that's being put forth in about half the states now that under the 14th Amendment, those of you keeping track at home, Section 3 of the 14th <laughs> Amendment, uh, essentially says that those who commit insurrection are not eligible to run for office and list various offices there. And so there have been uh, cases brought by voters to say that President, former President Trump should not be on the ballot because they allege he engaged in insurrection. And, and, and the history of this goes clear back to the Civil War, it is right? A, yeah, clear post-Civil War uh, meant to take the Confederates who had uh, engaged in insurrection against the, mm -hmm. the Union uh, to not allow them to come and hold federal or state office. Um, and so there's been some states that they've uh, some some ones have brought this case to the courts. And Colorado is one. Co of them. Colorado, there's three that have actually okay. issued decisions on this. Oh, they have. to trial. Okay. And it's fascinating because they all think about it a little bit differently. So in Colorado, the the trial judge, after a week or so of trial, issued a hundred page opinion finding that President Trump had engaged in insurrection, but concluding that Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment did not apply to the office of the president because it doesn't actually list the office of the president as an office that cannot be held by someone who engages in okay. insurrection. Okay. So that will now go up to the Colorado Supreme Court. Um, Michigan said that uh, this is actually a political decision, that a, no judge or one person should not make this decision of who should appear on the ballot, particularly okay. for an office as important as the president. So they said they just kind of punted to Congress and said Congress can take care of this if they'd like. Um, and then Minnesota um, issued a, a narrow opinion dismissing it um, but saying we're not going to uh, get in the middle of a primary argument. This is just in the primaries. The Republicans can put whoever they want on the primary ballot but we'll reserve the right to come back and visit this for the general election hmm. if needed. And then other states will start to chime in um, and this may eventually go all the way up to the Supreme Court with this argument. And, and those of you at home should read Section 3 of, of the 14th Amendment. It's not as clear as you might uh, hope on this issue. And, and it's becoming clearer with uh, some of these rulings, I guess. Well, that's certainly some the way it's being interpreted. Yeah, this, yeah. And this is the first time it's been, well, uh, it's been interpreted for the office of the president. Uh, I think there's been a case in Arizona where actually a, a county commissioner or some um, lower level government person was removed because they engaged in the January 6th um, and, uh, uh, events. So there, there have been things at the lower level uh, of government, but the president, this is being litigated in front of us. There's no law that they're going to decide this as we move forward. I, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> we don't have time for them, but it just, it, it's just such, it, we keep using the words uh, unprecedented, uh, historic, and it, it, we just all become 
become kind of numb uh, after a while. But I guess I am of the opinion, let's decide this at the ballot box instead of the courts. and uh, or, or the Secretary of State. Right? Yeah. You know, that's the other option. The Secretary of State could make this decision. Yeah. None of them want to, so that's why it's going to uh, a court. Yeah. to be, uh, And the Secretary of State wants the, court, want the courts to tell them what to do. So uh, from a uh, law professor perspective, we are charting new territory in a lot of different ways uh, mm. with all of this that's going on with, the, with former President Trump. Absolutely. It's, it's fascinating if you can kind of step back and mm-hmm. not think about what this means for the future of the country or how we run elections and that yeah. sort of thing, just to um, see issues that have never been raised before uh, being brought to light and being litigated and having to decide in the moment with incredibly high consequences. Yeah. Okay, what else is on your list? I don't want to cut anybody short. Uh, the only other thing, we, you and I have talked a lot about gag orders. Gag orders. And uh, whether and uh, how a court could uh, impose what is a fairly typical sort of order on a criminal defendant, not to intimidate witnesses, not to talk about their trial ahead of time in order to taint a jury pool. Um, and so in both the New York State case um, related to his business ventures and then the D.C. January 6th case, judges imposed gag orders on President Trump that were appealed and courts of appeals had put those on hold. And the minute they do that, President Trump starts tweeting again about them. Uh, and the D.C. arguments were really fascinating. They, The Court of Appeals, um, which were, I, th- I believe, an Obama-appointed judge, a Biden-appointed judge, and a Trump-appointed judge, okay. if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, good, um, good mix. So good mix. And they, they were really concerned about the judge, the, the gag order from the lower court being overly broad. Um, and when we talked about it, we thought it was pretty precise and narrow. Yeah. And they said even that was um, might be overly broad. They specifically said, how, how can President Trump defend himself in a debate when he's being attacked? He, he can't get his statements pre-approved by his lawyers ahead of time. He needs some flexibility. Um, and they were really skeptical about the normal rationale of not intimidating witnesses. They, you know, they said, Mike Pence is not going to be intimidated by this. His story is <laughs> not going to change. He can attack Mike Pence if he wants. Wow. So um, wow. we'll see what they, they want. They said, uh, but they did recognize that there were some legitimate concerns. So they said they wanted to use a scalpel when they uh, kind of very precise, very precisely defined what, the, what this would entail. And then they found themselves having a lot of difficulty defining ahead of time what someone like President Trump could or could not say. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard thing to do at the time. Fascinating. Well, before we run out of time, what's going on at college? Uh, we are heading towards the end of the semester. I teach my last class tomorrow, um, and then we do final exams, and then they head home. But there's so many good things. Um, our Children's Justice Clinic, which I think I've talked about yes, before, received yes. an advocacy and education award from the Education Rights Council, which is a nonprofit that's based in Omaha, because our students work advocating for the educational rights of children across Nebraska. Nice. I've mentioned our clinics before, but this is where our third-year law students represent real people. And in the Children's Justice Clinic, they're representing children who have been removed um, from homes because of allegations of abuse or neglect. And in the six years we've had it, they've really changed the way children have been represented um, in Nebraska. And that's a partnership with the um, Center for Children, Families, and the Law uh, at the University of Nebraska and our own clinic. So we're really proud of that team and Professor Michelle Paxton. Yeah, very cool. Clinic, it's basically a law firm within the law school. It's a law firm. You think about a medical resident when a doctor, a, law, a medical student will go and, and practice medicine. That's what our law students are doing. Very good. Richard Moberly, Dean of the University of Nebraska School of Law. 
Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on here. Absolutely. Thanks, Johnny. We'll do it again. Folks, that's the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Come back tomorrow. We'll do this all again with Nebraska Examiner. That's the show. Now go do something good. See you tomorrow.